0: Hey, this is Mitch Rose. I'm the lead pastor of City Hills Church, and this is our podcast. Thanks for tuning in today. I hope this message encourages you, it inspires you, it challenges you to live your best life. Take a listen. Here's this week's message. So we've been in this series about uh, about purpose, a calling series, a make a difference kind of series. Next week, I'm actually finishing this up. I said three and a half weeks because I'm not just preaching made For Monday next week, it is Vision Sunday next week, always the weekend before we start at the movies, we just talk about who we are, why we exist, and there's so many new faces since, especially in in this year, in 2020, and I just want to give you the vision of our house, the vision God has put in our life, and some new things that I think God wants to do uh, with us and through us. So let me kind of catch you up really quick, we said three weeks ago that work is from God and it is for God, and we said that God created you. You were created by a creator to create. God created you to create. All I have is from God. All I have is for God as an offering, and he's given me the ability to create. Then last week, we said we have been blessed by the giver to give, that God has blessed you, he's blessed me, and he's a giver. For God so loved the world that he Gave. He's a giver, and he's blessed you and I to give what he's given us. All I have comes from God anyway. I take the first 10% of what I have. That's my tithing. I return it to God. That belongs to him. It's holy to the Lord. It already belongs to God. I just give it back. And then I honor the Lord with everything that I have left over. And it's amazing how God will bless what I have left, but there's a curse on if I keep the whole thing. Does anybody know what I'm telling you? It's a, it's a biblical economy. It just works this way. If I hold on to everything I've got and think it's all for me, the Bible said there's a devourer that's loose in all of my stuff. But if I'll put God first and honor the Lord with everything that I have, he rebukes the devourer. I'll do more with less than I would with more because I'm blessed by a giver to give. Say amen to that. And I want to keep taking you down this road Today, we're talking about having a biblical worldview. Our theme verse is Romans 12 and 1. says it like this. Here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday, ordinary life, sleeping and eating and going to work and walking around and place it before God as an offering. That Mondays and Tuesdays and Wednesdays, that my life, not my Sunday life, not my church life, not my spiritual life, my life, your life. We're not cats, everybody. We don't have nine lives. Come on. We got one. I teach parents. When, when Brandon and I teach a parenting course, we've taught since we started the church called Parenting on Purpose, that there's no such thing as school life and church life and work life and home life. We're not, we're not cats. We got one life, and we, we just prioritize our life. So some people have a tough time with this because they say, Pastor, I don't have time or money to serve or give. No, I just didn't prioritize the one life I have around the things that are most important in my life. Say amen to that. So I want you to take everything that you've got, give it to God. Take your everyday, ordinary life and make it an offering to God. Last week I said I want you to have the blessed life. And, 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 and I really do believe God has blessed us to be a blessing. Say amen to that. And, and we've lived that, you've lived that in 2020, probably like I've never seen a church before. Uh, almost monthly, uh, as I would gather with uh, our team and our, our financial team, I, 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 would just, I was so amazed that not only your faithfulness and consistency, but the ability that you gave us. To, to do so much, to care for people the way we did. I, next week, I'll tell you a little bit, over the next several weeks as we're in this season of legacy, uh, I'll tell you a few ways that you've been able, not only uh, around the world, but right here, families that you've helped and, and people that you've touched, and we've been able to give away and, and be a part of. We really are blessed to be a blessing, and that's, that's the blessed life I want you to have. The second life, write this down, I didn't put it in your notes, but I want to talk to you today about the abundant life God wants to give you. So, so if, if everything in my life is from God, it's blessed, and God wants it to be abundant. John 10 and 10 says, the thief comes, the devil, the enemy of your soul. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Not the news media. I know it sounds like that's what they're there for. But <laughs> the thief, the, the enemy, the devil comes to steal and he steals everything God wants to give you. You ever had anything stolen from you? You know the violation you feel when somebody robs you? You ever felt that? And, and you just feel like, man, who would do that? You know, I just hate a thief. Who would, who would, who would take something that didn't belong to them? You know what I mean? And, and you just feel like, I want you to have that same thing about the devil. Who would do that? Who would steal the peace that God's already provided me? Who would come into my family and steal the joy that God wants us to have? Who would steal my rest at night? And who, who I, I just, I don't want, the thief comes to, it kills every dream I've got. God puts dreams inside your heart and you're created by the creator to create and then the, the enemy comes and kills that creativity and the dreams that God's put. But I have come, listen, this put it back on the screen. I have come, John 10 and 10, that the Jesus said I've come that they may have life, look, look, look at this, and that they have it to the full. Two different lives here. I didn't write it in your notes, but I want you to write it. The first one is eternal life. The second one is abundant life. That's what Jesus said. I've come that they may have life. That's eternal life. The number one, the reason Jesus came, bled, died, was buried and resurrected was so that you could live in heaven forever. That's eternal life. But he said, I don't want you to have eternal life in heaven but live in hell here. I want you to have a full life here or one translation says abundant life. Say amen to that everybody. I want you to have abundant life. I want you to have abundant life. But you Have a part to play in your life. You were made to create a Monday, a Tuesday, a week. You were made to live your life in such a way that abundant life belongs to you. I think one of the things I struggle with most as a pastor, not struggle with, one of the things that surprises me, let me say, most as a pastor is how much people believe they have no part to play in the miracle that God wants to do in their life. That I meet people all the time who believe that God's just going to just zap something out of heaven and fix everything in your life. Now listen. You're in a church today that believes God can do anything. Shout amen to that. God can heal, deliver, set free. He's a miracle worker. Raise the dead. Open blind eyes. Restore marriages. Heal uh, uh, addicts. Deliver people who are bound. I believe in all of that. I believe that happens. But most of the time, listen to me. Most of the time you have a part to play in the miracle. Let me show it to you in God's word. Jesus would say it like this, not on the screen, but listen. Jesus would say it like this. He would heal the lepers, and he would say, you're healed, but I want you to go show yourself to the priest. And the Bible says, as they went, they were cleansed. In other words, I'll do the healing, but you got to do the walking out the miracle. Are you there today? Are you there online? I hope you're awake today. I need to hear somebody yell amen all over in their house today I, you got to participate he said I, I can heal blinded eyes but he made spitballs and put them in his eyes and said i want you to what?' now wash all of that you got a part to play in the miracle and you've got a part to play in your abundant life jesus came to give it to you but you got to do something to take hold of abundant life man I, i'm gonna hold another there's another service after this one with just amen people so that i can preach like i feel like preaching You've got something to do. Last week, we said you got to give. You're blessed by a giver to give. First week, we said you created by creator to create. Today, not on the notes, but write this down. You are led by a servant to serve. Matthew 20, 28, the end of Matthew. Nearing the end of Jesus' earthly ministry, you are led by a servant to serve. The Bible said just as Jesus, the Son of Man, did not come to be served. He came to serve. And he gave his life as a ransom for many. I teach our staff often, when, when especially our, our younger staff, maybe who just you know, are beginning in vocational ministry or their lives are called in ministry or people who feel like God's calling them into ministry. I tell them often... Uh, This is is the life that we lay our lives down for. If you're not ready to lay your life down for this, this life isn't for you. This is something we lay our lives down for. Why? Because we're led by someone who laid down his life for us. We're led by a servant, so my only response to the servant is to serve. Are you with me? Say amen. If you're too big to serve, listen, then you're too small to lead. The reason why some of you struggle in your marriages and on your job is because you feel like I'm I'm bigger than this. Oh, are you? I'm better than this. I've got more education. Why did he get a promotion and I didn't get a promotion? I'm better than he is. I've been at the company longer than he has. I have more experience than he has. I have more education than he has. Why did he have it? Well, let me ask you. When you walk in on Monday, do you walk in as a servant or do you walk in saying how educated I am, how ready I am? Any organization in the world, secular, in your job, in your family, why is it that my wife talks to me like that, treats me like that? Well, husband, do you treat her like Barney Rubble, like some old caveman? or do you serve your wife? Y'all didn't catch Barney Rubble. You can't walk in like that. Yeah, the Bible says you're to serve her, to love her like Christ loves the church and gave his life for it. Get you a grill and learn how to cook a few nights a week. God, I'm preaching today. Learn, just take a YouTube video and learn the dials on that washing machine. Just look at them like this, figure it out. Whites, these are white. This says whites. Let's do that. (laughs) Your relationships will be better. Your jobs will be better. Listen, and your lives will be better when you learn to serve. Pastor, I don't have time to serve. I, 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 when I start talking about purpose, listen. When I start talking about calling, people coil back. It's amazing how people do this. It, in our Easter survey, it's the number one thing people want to hear about my, my purpose, and then I preach about it, and people coil back and say, oh, "I don't, I don't know." But you know why? Because you doubt you have a purpose. Honestly, you think I got a job, but I don't know if I have a purpose. It, it, and, and the reason is, listen. And I'm just I'm giving you a universal truth. This isn't up for debate. I mean, you can disagree, but you can be wrong. The, re- the reason is, is because you try to discover your purpose apart from the one who gave it to you. So you put your hope, I told you earlier, I, I've been on this all day, I'm going I'm to drive it again. You put your hope in something that was never meant to give you hope. You put your trust in the government that God never... Inst- now, the the hands, uh, the, the heart of the king's in the hand of the Lord, the Bible said. He raises them up. He puts them down. So God's in control, but you're not to trust in the thing that's in the hand of the Lord. You're to trust in the Lord. Amen. And if you try to find your purpose outside of the one who created you, made you, gave you, led you, died for you, then you'll always be frustrated or, here's the buzzword, you'll always be burnt out. Now, every time I preach this to you, people disagree with me. Again, in this church, you can be wrong. But but it's the truth nonetheless. Write this in your notes. You do not burn out from doing too much. You burn out from doing too much of the wrong thing. God did not create you with a kill switch that will burn you out because you're doing too much. What kind of sick, sadistic God would create you with, with, like the pink panther? You remember when he used to get those, those hidden messages and this message will self-destruct in 30 seconds? You remember this? Anybody in the 80s but me? Come on. And, you, and this message will self-destruct in 30 seconds and 60 seconds if you don't do the thing that you're supposed to do. Why would God create you with a self-destruction switch? You're not created to burn out. The reason you burn out is because you've spent your life doing something you weren't created to do. You give your energy, your finances, your love, your affection, your time. You give all of that to stuff that isn't the purpose that God has for you. Now you're burning out because I'm not giving the thing, doing the thing that get, that God designed to fill me up. Let me teach you how God designed your body and your mind and your emotions. He designed you that when you served, when you give your life as a ransom for many, that there's something that happens on the inside of you that you end up, You end up filling yourself up as you pour yourself out. God, I wish I could preach this like I feel this. That's why the resurrection is so important. He dies. He's buried. He literally died. He was literally buried. And Jesus literally rose again. Because the thing that you think you're giving it away. Pastor, I won't have as much money if I give it away. No, you don't understand. You're not giving it away. You're sowing it away. And when you sow it, something else grows. And Jesus was sown in the tomb. And the resurrection is the harvest of what he sowed. And purpose is the harvest of serving. And you live your life realizing I was created on purpose, with a purpose. Now you'll burn your life out chasing the wrong thing. Money, relationships, people, politics, things that God never designed for you to fill you. But I have never, put me on record, never seen someone burn out from doing what God called them to do. God wouldn't create a kill switch in you that kills you for doing the thing he designed you to do. But we burn out chasing things we shouldn't chase. Purpose gives you life. It gives you abundance. It gives you hope. It gives you clarity. It gives you direction. But when you don't have purpose, it takes away your energy. It takes away your joy. It takes away your hope. It takes away your strength. I've met a whole bunch of people whose lives are a lot of motion, they're just no movement. You know there's different in motion and movement. I'm back on the 80s cartoons. I'm kind of I'm feeling Saturday morning cartoons. Y'all remember Wiley Coyote? You remember he used to wind his feet up like this right here and he just and he would and he would throw a bunch of mud. Don't look at me like y'all watch Saturday morning cartoons. Are you with me ever? I'll do it again. He does it like this right here and winds it up like that. There's a lot of motion but he never moves anywhere. Look at your calendar. Look at your checkbook. There could be a whole lot of motion going on and mudslinging, but there's no movement in the direction of your purpose. That I'm doing what God's called me to do. That's when you burn out. That's when things happen. This happened to me just a few months ago. Brandy and I slipped away to Mustang Island, Padre Island, and we didn't have the kids that night. I don't know where they were. doesn't really matter. Couldn't care less. We dropped them off somewhere. They're still alive, Whatever. Yeah, thank you for that. That's exactly right. That's a man been married a long time. And we went to the beach, and in Mustang Island, you can drive your car on the beach. Y'all know what I'm talking about here? Only good thing about Texas beaches. And so we drove my truck on the beach. Now, I bought a truck about six months after moving here to pastor because you can't pastor in Texas without a truck. Come on, somebody. I felt like it was part of my calling that anointing comes with that. And I bought an F-150. Come on somebody. I bought, I bought, I, and I bought something with power and towing capacity in that. I, I, I and, and I'm proud of my truck. You asked my wife and my kid. I'm proud of it. And, and so I took, I said, let's take my truck down to the beach. And I, and I pulled my truck. I backed it into the, because that's how I roll. I backed it in. We had the bed down. Come on, none of your business. And then we was just the waves and And it's time, that's in February. I'm preaching that in February. And then, and then it's time to go. And all the if you've ever been there, you know, you see all these lights and everybody's starting to leave the beach, you know. And the, and the cops are coming down, the, what do you call them, you know, the, the Coast Guard or who, I don't know who they are. Anyway, they're coming down and they're, you know, it's time to go. We jump in the truck, the big truck. I crank it up. It's time to go. I push that gas pedal. We don't go. <laughs> we don't go. No problem. No problem. I got a big truck, kind of a man. Travis, I got this, okay? I got this. We're going to be okay. I tell you what I do. Let me tell you what goes through men's mind. I'll just do more of the same thing. I'm sure that'll work. (laughs) Right? So I'll just push harder on this pedal. So this is my system for 15, 20 minutes. Until we get out of the truck and, and walk to the back, my hand to God, my truck bed is in sand, not my wheels, not my bumper, my bed, I have buried all the way down in the sand, long story for me to tell you, I had to get somebody else with a bigger truck to hook onto the front of that, and literally, he pulled me out of there like a little rag doll, I was super embarrassed about it, I didn't even want to look at Brandy, about the whole thing. Long story short to tell you, there's some things in your life, you'll before you realize that you're just pushing the gas pedal down, you're burying yourself further in something you're never going to be able to get out of. Never. So, so how, do I, how do I discover my purpose? I'm glad you asked. Thank you for asking. That helps me to preach. How do I discover my purpose? Write this down. Number one, ask yourself, what am I passionate about? God uses passion to unlock Purpose. God puts passions, the Bible said he gives you the desires of your heart. In other words, the desire that I have in my heart came from God. God put that there. There's some things you're passionate about that that will unlock, they're a way to unlock in your life. When when you're passionate, it's the great energizer, right? It'll be the thing that keeps you going even when you don't feel like going because passion unlocks purpose. Passion. It. It. it, it no, no one makes you have to do it. If you're passionate about it, they can't stop you from doing it. It. Just, it's. It's from God. What am I passionate Now, there's one caveat to what am I passionate about, and that is, I've met people that have a whole lot of passion. They just don't have a whole lot of the second thing, which is, which is, what are my gifts? Write this down. What are my gifts? What are my gifts? What are. What am I passionate about, and what am I. What are my gifts? And both of these have to be answered for you to unlock purpose in your life, because. I've met people who are really passionate but aren't gifted in an area. I give you American Idol. (laughs) Really passionate. My favorite part about watching these shows is they're really passionate. It's just a whole lot of misguided passion. You know what I'm saying? They're not gifted to do it. They're not in a small group where somebody can be honest with them and say, Honey, I love you too much to let you go. (laughs) You know, I love you too much to let you do this because you can't sing. So you can be passionate about it, not gifted. What am, I, what am I passionate about and what am I gifted in? Another way to say it is what am I interested in and what am I good at? What am I interested in and what am I good at? And God designed you so that when you put those together, it's the key that will unlock the door to purpose in your life. Romans 12 and 5 says it like this. So in Christ, even though we're many, we form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Let me stop right there and tell you, that's why you can't do what God called you to do outside of other people. That's why when people tell me, Pastor, I love Jesus, I just don't like the church. Well, that you can't do that because you can't fully follow Jesus outside a group of other believers. It's not possible. God designed you as a family member to participate, to operate in the family. So your purpose is never fully realized if you're not in the body. That was free, and y'all did amen that. So we belong to each other. And we have, underline this, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. I call it your grace gift. You have a grace gift from God. If your gift is prophesying, Romans continues on. If your gift is prophesying, prophesy according to your faith. If it's serving, serve. If it's teaching, teach. If it's to encourage, Give encouragement. If it's giving, give generously. Matter of fact, there are people in this church that have the gift of giving. That, that above and beyond their tithing, they're generous with what God's given. They have the gift of giving. It's a supernatural gift. Some of you have it. You don't even know you had that. You don't know why it is that God's blessed you as much as he has. He's blessed you so that you could unlock your purpose. And give generously. That's what God, it's a gift, a spiritual gift from God. If your gift from God is leading, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Here's all I wanted you to see. Everybody has a gift from God. Everybody has a gift from God. And if you want to unlock it, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a way. We actually give you a, a, a next step called the growth track. It's a way for you, it's two classes and two labs, and they're all online and on demand like Netflix. Where you can literally just, you can, in the course of about an hour or so, you can watch those classes and labs. And there's some personality and spiritual gift testing to just help you. It doesn't show you. It just helps you discover the grace gift that God's given you. I would encourage you to do that today if you've never been on the growth track. You could, it's on our website today. You can, you can take growth track on demand. And, and let, let me just walk beside you and help you. Because we believe that how God designed you uncovers the destiny God has for you. Let me say it better this way. Your design reveals your destiny, reveals your destiny. Now, I know what you're thinking. Well, I have a job. I mean, I have a thing. You know, this is where I get my paycheck. This is how I get my, and, and is that my purpose? Let me give you the metric that you can look through the lens to know, am I really making a difference with my life? Am I living my purpose? Am I serving people? Here it is. Write this down in your notes. When you are bigger than your purpose, you have a career. But when your purpose is bigger than you, you have a calling. When you are bigger, when it's more about you than it is the purpose, that's just a career. And you can have that and, 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 and live the rest of your life, 30, 40 years, doing that thing, punching that clock, doing that thing with your life, and, and you think it's about you, for you, by you, through you, in you, to you. But when you have purpose and you say, I may get a paycheck here, but I've got purpose. While I'm here selling automotive parts, I'm really here to sell hope and Jesus and joy and I'm lifting people. I may be here to teach math in third grade, but I'm really here to point kids to to Jesus and help their parents and encourage them and let them know they have purpose that comes from God. When your purpose is bigger than you, that's a calling from God. Let me say it this way. Success is when you add value to yourself, but significance is when you add value to others. And I want this church to move from success to significance. I want you to move from success to significance. I want you to look at Mondays. Not are they successful, but am I living a life that's significant? Am I living a life of significance? Not, Not so I get discovered, Not so I get famous, not so I get money, not so I find success, but so I find significance in my life, so that I find significance in my life. Let me give you five ways and five reasons. Let me give you five benefits. Let me say it that way. Let me give you five benefits. I normally give you three, but I felt like preaching when I woke up, Sue. Let me give you five benefits to serving in your local church. Now, that's the part. Some of you don't believe. So I got to take 30 seconds and preach it to you. Look at me. I read it to you in Romans. You cannot, it is biblically, theologically impossible for you to live your purpose outside of people. God designed you with people. God put you on a team in Exodus. The first time God would make a promise to the children of Israel when he begins the covenant with Moses and the children of Israel to lead them out. He said, I'm going to lead you out. I'm going to to take you out of Egypt and then I'm going to free you from being slaves to them. I'm going to redeem you with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. And then I will take you as my people. In other words, there's something that's going to happen once you get saved and you find freedom, and then you decide, okay, God, what's the redemption thing you want to do in my life? God says, i got to put you with some more people. He never calls an individual in the wilderness. He always calls them the children of Israel, the people of Israel. And if you try to discover your purpose, on, your, oh, I can do this on my own. I'm not talking about you at church online today. But there are people, listen, who have used COVID to say, I don't really need church. I don't, I can just stay at home. It's the same. Look into my eyes. It's not the same. You were designed to be with the people of God. I didn't come up with that. Jesus came up with that. God designed you to do what God wants you to do with People. Now, there's some people who are serving. There's some people who are vulnerable, and they're serving at church online. They're they're on a team. They're doing what God called them. I'm not talking about them. I'm talking about people who feel like you're the Lone Ranger, and you don't need a tanto. I I am killing some 80s TV references today. Let me give you five benefits of serving in your local church. Number one, you will find something bigger than your problems. When you serve in your local church... When you serve in this church, when you decide I'm led by a servant to serve, you will find something bigger than the number one epidemic in America today is not COVID-19. It's selfishness. It's self-centeredness. My policies, my candidate, my stuff, my stuff, my, this is my, my truth, my thing, my, listen, if all you do is focus on you and my and your problems, you'll live a miserable, unfulfilled life. But if you can find something in your life to give your life to that's bigger than your problems, it's amazing the satisfaction, fulfillment, joy that God hardwired you to have. You'll fi- if you'll serve, you'll find something bigger. Isaiah 58 and 10, I'll read it to you in God's Word. If you spend yourself on behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed... Then, your light will rise in the darkness. Look what happens. Watch it. If you'll give yourself to somebody else, God says i'll increase their light when things get dark i'll give them joy because they're giving out joy it's 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 amazing what will happen. Your night will become like the noonday <laughs> It's happened to me a hundred times. I'm feeling sorry for myself till I go serve somebody else who needs something and I walk away from that feeling like, you know what? I'm pretty blessed. You know what? God's been very good to me. You know why? Because God hardwired you that you're light in the darkness and your night becomes noonday when you serve other people. Your problems get smaller. Say amen to that, everybody. If you can't see the blessing of God in your life and in your family... If you look around and say, well, pastor, that's good preaching for everybody, but I don't know that we're blessed. Look at all we've lost. Look how bad it is. Look how terrible the world is. Look, if you, I can almost guarantee you, you haven't spent enough time serving other people. Because if you'll spend time serving other people, you'll walk away and you'll walk into your house at night and go, thank you, Jesus. It's not much, but I'm grateful for it. This is not everything I want, but I'm thankful for what I do have. God has hardwired you that your night becomes noonday. Your face will change. I've seen it at serve day over and over and over. At outreach, once a month on Saturday, we have a serve day. Once a month, we serve people all over our city and our communities and hurting people and broken people and people who have less and, and can't do and people who are on the fringe and margins of society. I have watched people show up at 8 o'clock in the morning frowning. And at noon, working at 120 degrees, they're they're just as happy as that. What are we going to do now? Where are we going to go now? You know why? Because God hardwired you that your problems get less when I serve other people. Say amen to that. I'm trying to teach it, and y'all want me to preach it, and I'm not going to do it. Number two, (laughs) if you'll serve your church, not only do your problems get smaller, Number two, but you will be cared for and supported. If you serve in your local church, you will be cared for and supported. You will feel like, uh, people who come to me and say, Pastor, I don't know if this church cares. This church doesn't care about nobody. This church doesn't care about, I'm, I ask, ask my staff, they'll tell you, the first question before someone gets my time, and, and I love you, but the first question I ask, Ask Aubrey, everybody who gets an appointment with me, where do they serve? Because if they're not serving other people, they're going to come in here with a list of complaints about what's wrong because they don't feel cared for and supported because God hardwired them to feel cared for and supported on a team of people who are making a difference in the lives of other people. So you'll come in negative about what's not happening when really you're the catalyst to feeling cared for and supported. I know this is hard preaching. Next week, I'm going to be just as happy. I'm going to preach, I'm going to just preach about care bears or unicorns or something. But this week, I got to get you focused on serving. I got to get you refocused. We spent this whole year worried about me, mine, and ours. And I got to turn your attention towards others, 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 people, 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 people. Proverbs 11.25, they're going to play the slow music. Here it comes. Oh, I thought he was coming. Proverbs eleven twenty five: The generous will prosper, and those who refresh others feel cared for and supported. Told you, those who have kidding, it's the right time. Those who, those who serve others feel cared for and supported. I say it this way: We pastor you better on a team. I can pastor you better. We can pastor you better. Serving, someone knows where you are. Someone knows what you're going through. Someone knows how to pray for you. Someone knows your name, the names of your children. There's just, there's, there, you, can, you can be cared for and supported when you serve. Say amen to that. Number three, these get harder. Number three, the, the benefits of serving and, and it, why God designed you to serve. There are benefits God adds to you for serving. Number three, your children will grow up with the church as their family. This one is the linchpin of the five, and it's probably the one that motivates Brandy and I the most. I do, I do realize that my problems get smaller. I do realize that there's care and support because I'm a part of a church family. But I, uh, uh, nine years ago, when God blessed us supernaturally to have children naturally that we didn't think was, was possible, the, the, we, we had already been in ministry 10 years, almost 11 years full time, and the, the number one thing that I didn't wa- that I wanted for my children is for them not to resent God's house or the calling on our lives. So, so, and I've told you this before, both of our children, we were in Austin, we had babies in Austin, and we left the hospital in the little car seat. You know how they just like, they give you your, you know, they give you your kid, and it's like, I can't believe you're gonna let me take this home, you know? Like there's no instruction manual or nothing. Just, they just give it to you. And, and so we get in the, in the car seat, and we think, man, we, they're going to let us take this little girl home. It's crazy. But we don't go home. We didn't go to grandparents' house. We didn't go to our house. We drove from North Austin Medical Center, St. David's North, to Christian Life Church in South Austin. And we walked in the back door of that church. And, and I carried my baby to every square inch of God's house in my arms. My three day old child Two When did we get her? A couple days Y'all have had them You know when they give them to you I carried her on the stage Ruben I, I walked her up here I said this is what daddy's called to do I said this is, this is, these are instruments Maybe you'll be gifted to play And lead in worship I took her to kids classrooms I said this is where you're going to hear about Jesus I laid her on the altar I said, this is where people are going to pray for you. This is, and I told both of both of my babies, both of my, my my little boy and my little girl, I looked them in their little bitty eyes. And I said, Hazel, Henry, Daddy's gonna fail you. I'm gonna do it wrong. And when I mess it up, This place will fix it. This is the safest place in all the world. You say, well, Pastor, that didn't make sense. I thought your home was. Well, it should be, but we're just people. God is not like me. He doesn't fail. His promises are sure. He doesn't lie. He doesn't fail and mislead like I can. And I wanted my children to know this was the safest when all of the world's shaking, you can come to church and it's safe. And there's family here. The benefit I have nine years later, six years later, I can tell you confidently my children sprung out of bed this morning, my little boy at 6:26, by the way. And the first words out of his mouth. Daddy, it's church day. And it's Superhero Sunday. (laughs) Uh, I want your kids to grow up loving God's house. Because listen to me, the world's going to get worse. It's going to get worse. And if we meet in a movie theater or a hotel conference room or a tent out in the yard, I want them to know wherever God's people are, this is family. These are the people who love God. This is where prayer happens. This is where worship goes before the Lord. This is where the sacrifice of praise is. This is where we trade in the spirit of heaviness for the garment of praise. This is where we get the oil of joy for mourning. This is the house of the Lord. This is where we meet with the presence of God. And this is our family. It's our family. John 2 and 9. i got to hurry. John 2 and 9. Let me give you the fourth reason. John 2 and 9 says, When the master of ceremonies tested the water that was now wine, not knowing where it came from, this is in your Bible, the New Living Translation says, Though, of course, the servants knew where it came from. So you know the story, Jesus turns water into wine, and the people that are there, the master of ceremonies, had no idea, What well, I thought this was water, and now it's wine. And the servants are all in the back going, <laughs> We know what happened here's the fourth reason why you need to serve your church because you get to be a part of the miracle in the lives of people you get a behind the scenes front row look at the miracle that Jesus performs every week you you get to be there when we dedicate babies back to God. You get to be there when hundreds of people are water baptized and we bury their past and their sin and they're raised to new life in Jesus' name. You get to be there when hands go up and tears are falling and people say yes to Jesus and they're saved and they're born again. You get to be there when people the light bulb comes on and people discover I was made with a purpose, on purpose, for a purpose. You get to be there when people live their lives for God. You get to be a part of the miracle. The servants knew, oh, we know where it happened. We were backstage when Jesus was turning water into wine. The servants always get to be a part of the miracle. And if you want to be a part of the miracle that Jesus is going to do in the last days, the best way I know how is to serve. Is to serve. Let me give you the last thing and I'll pray for you. I'm already over time. Number five, servants have no regrets. No regrets. I don't want you to live your life. I, I, I don't... So far in five years of being here, four years as a church, I haven't preached a funeral. I preached a lot of weddings. Thank the Lord. I haven't preached a funeral. Someone in our church has died. In Jesus' name, I hope it's a long time. But I don't want to preach your funeral and your family tell me about the regrets of your life. I don't want to visit you in a hospital bed at 90 years old, 80 years old, and you talk about your regrets. I I want us, Scott, I want us to grow old together and look at each other in our, you'll probably be 106, 107. I'll be 45, something like that. I want us to say, man, we gave it all. Gave it all. We gave our all. We gave our all. Matthew 25. I'm back to the same story I taught you. The Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I'm going to give you more. No regrets. No regrets. No regrets. Today's the best day to live an abundant life. To live an abundant life. Bow your heads, let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for this amazing church. I thank you for Church Online today. Everyone gathered around a device, either with us live, or maybe you've joined in later on in the week on demand. Thank you for being there. Thank you for inviting people in. Thank you for gathering your family around the device while you're sheltering and being safe. Father, I thank you for the people in this house who give. Thank you for people who realize we're blessed to be a blessing. God, everything we do is because of them. Their tithing, their intentional generosity. And just a few weeks, six weeks from now, we'll, we'll all bring an intentional, generous, sacrificial gift in our legacy offering. Thank you for people who are generous. Thank you for people who create here at the movies. Everything that was Superhero Sunday, the amazing creativity of the house. Thank you for people who use their gifts. And thank you for people who serve. Father, I pray for people today who there's a disconnect in their mind between purpose. They're trying to live lives of success, but I want them to live lives of significance that may be chasing your career instead of a calling. Father, I pray that today a light bulb has gone off, that you would unlock the key to purpose in their life. God, you you designed us for more than Sundays. As a matter of fact, this is just a locker room where the people of God can be encouraged, challenged, strengthened so that we get on the field on Monday and make a difference. I thank you for that. In Jesus' mighty name,